It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, or has it? No, but there's been an international football this week, so it felt like a year. We'll give you updates on all our senior internationals and how they did. And of course, you'll hear how Man United's youth players did on their travels, including Leo Connor as he captured the Ireland's under-17s to Euro qualification, as well as some transfer news at academy level as well. We'll also be previewing United's first game back against West Brom. Before all of that, though, we're talking Jose Mourinho's time at Man United so far, his impact on performances, style of play, Results, the fans, the players, young and old, particularly Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford. Uh, Jack Tate is ill this week. His voice is somewhat gone. And so we're joined by Will Robinson. And the name is not just a coincidence. He is, in fact, my brother. Introduce yourself, Will. Hello, I'm Will. I'm glad I've been finally invited on Harry's podcast. after being spurned for Jack Tate. But I'm here now and I won't be leaving anytime soon. <laughs> uh, right, let's start on Mourinho's style of play. What's he done to it? I mean... We saw against Chelsea and then against Middlesbrough that the, the style of play, three at the back, five at the back, four at the back. There's been a lot of change, um, a lot more fun, I would say, in United's performances this season. I mean, that is comparing it to a, a new level of low from Louis van Gaal and David Moyes. But uh, as an overall summary... Yeah, I think I mean, you've touched on it there that you can look at this in two ways. You can either look at it relatively in terms of Louis van Gaal and that style of football that Louis van Gaal but was so dull that this season has kind of seen like a huge uplift in the amount of excitement we've got per game. We're obviously creating more chances. So it is more interesting. On the other hand, you've got evidence, even in the last game against Middlesbrough, uh, when he brought on, I don't know how many defenders we had on the pitch by the final whistle, I think seven defenders we had on before full time. Um, you've got evidence that that kind of old Mourinho is still there. So we do go and we do try and score goals, but we don't try and kill off team. We're not beating people 5, 6, 7 nil like we used to. So I mean, it is an improvement. Um, anything would be an improvement from the Van Gaal years. But there is still the hint of that old Jose Mourinho style, that kind of defensive nature that he's still got. Yeah, it's, it's a sitting back at 1-0 that we... I mean, it's needless as well. Seven defenders against Middlesbrough at 2-0 up is probably the best example of... How, and I mean, United, we, we looked immediately worse as soon as we shut up shop at the back. 
And it wasn't a surprise when Middlesbrough scored. And to be honest, I mean, I know it's an incredibly negative thing to say, but you wouldn't have been surprised if they'd gone on and got the equaliser in that game. If it hadn't been for that Valdez catastrophe at the very end, then it would have been a lot more nervy for the last couple of minutes that were there. Um, and I think you can see when Mourinho sprinted off down the tunnel that he himself was relieved because he must have been getting a bit nervy. If that second Middlesbrough goal had gone in, I mean, how many questions would Mourinho have got for that kind of ridiculous formation change that he introduced in that game? There's some great attacking football this season. Mkhitaryan, Pogba, when you have Carrick in there as well, you've got some brilliant creative football, some quite dynamic football. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic probably hinders that to an extent. But at the same time, you've got from from probably the four worst draws this season, what would it be? Stoke, Burnley, West Ham at home, and who was the other one against? I don't know. But we've had four terrible draws at home. We've had, I think we've had seven in total, but four of the worst. We've had 104 shots, three goals and four points. I mean, of course, the performances are better, the results are better, but there's still, I, I, I would say there's still a huge amount of work to be put in. I mean, of course there is. And there's only a certain amount you can really blame Mourinho when you're making that many chances and scoring that few amount of goals. Um, you have those days, particularly Burnley, I seem to remember, where Ibrahimovic just has a complete off day and you see five or six chances going begging before he actually puts one on target and then scores one. Um, the Ibrahimovic question is an interesting one because obviously he's such a fantastic player, he's so great to watch, he's got that presence on the pitch and he does score those important goals. I mean, the League Cup final being a perfect example. But you do get the sense that he does hinder that kind of quick attacking play around the box. He's a little bit slower. Rashford offers that kind of run in behind. And when he can link up with Mkhitaryan, Pogba, you do have that kind of faster flowing attacking play. So it'd be interesting to see if he stays next season. Uh, of course, it'd be nice because he's become that kind of Cantona-style figure. <laughs> we all look to everyone loves seeing what he says off the pitch as well as on it. But it will be interesting to see if he does go next season, whether we can actually improve in attack with Rashford, Martial play every game. Yeah, because it's a strange one. I mean, we'll be talking transfers later, and that includes Zlatan, and we'll be talking Rashford and Martial later as well. But just in terms of Zlatan, we tend to look a much more dynamic team without him. That's not necessarily better, but we, I think we play nicer football without him. And once Rashford gets his confidence back, and the same goes for Martial and their finishing improves, then I think we'd probably be a better side without Ibrahimovic, as, as weird it is to say. Um, just... A, con- a conclusion on Mourinho's style of play and tactics. We've had three at the back and four at the back. I, I mean, I think both of us would conclude that three at the back is-, is not the way to go. I think three at the back was slightly bizarre. When we saw it against Chelsea, um, when we stood 11 men on the pitch, you can see kind of how that plan was meant to be working. But then playing it, I can't remember who played the next week, but playing it at home in a fairly boring draw, um, there was no sign that that was the way to go forward. So I hope this doesn't last Um as a style of play. I think Mourinho's kind of experimenting. I think this is the first time he'd ever played three at the back in his career, uh, someone said the other day. So it's an interesting switch that he's made, particularly at this time in the season. I mean, I think he's still trying to get his team perfectly correct. We started with Carrick and Fellaini in midfield, then we had Carrick, Herrera, Pogba. Now we've kind of abandoned Carrick playing Herrera, Pogba a little bit deeper. So he is adjusting the team as the season goes on. And um, the style of play is getting better. So it's, it can only be positive. Yeah. Um, I mean, the three at the back seemed to make sense because we played against Rostov in the Europa League first leg and it seemed preparation for Chelsea. And then suddenly we've stopped playing Chelsea. We're playing Rostov again and Middlesbrough and we've still got three at the back. Yeah, and I mean, it was no surprise that those two Rostov games were two of the most dire football matches <laughs> I think I've watched in I don't know how many years. Yeah, no matter the pitch, it, it still maintained its dullness. Um, right, I mean, we've, we've spoken about dullness under Van Gaal, dullness under Moyes, some excitement. Under Mourinho. I mean, there's still a way to go. 
and yeah, it's definitely positive so far. I think the the one thing that we need to, I mean, three at the back. I think that's an experiment that's going to be over by the time we come back from the international break when we when we play West Brom. But the main thing is the finishing and sitting back needlessly when when we're dominating a game. And Middlesbrough, the recent example, is probably the best example of that. Um, so dullness back to excitement. The fans, atmosphere, Old Trafford, away games at Wembley. Um, best moment of the season. Zlatan at Wembley. It's got to be that Zlatan header, doesn't it? At Wembley. Just the relief that came from that. But I mean, there's been quite a few good moments this season. Um, even the trivial things like the League Cup fourth round against City was just a relief after they kind of almost humiliated us in the first round, in the first half, sorry, at Old Trafford in the league game earlier. Um, so there's been quite a few good moments this season. Um, Ibrahim Rich's equaliser against Liverpool. I put that up there. I don't know if you can think of any more right now. I, th- I think in terms of the atmosphere, there's just... Uh... There's a strange acceptance that we might not win that much at Old Trafford. I mean, I think I think it's it's not necessarily a good thing to lower your expectations that much, but I think most United fans have lowered their expectations temporarily. Well, I, think, I think we realised that last season was the lowest ebb of the kind of post immediate post Fergie era. So of course David Moyes would finish lower, but it's kind of a slowly seeing a disintegration of a team that won the league by how many points? 11 points in Fergie's last year. And now, I think there's a kind of realisation that we are back on the rise. I mean, it's slowly, of course, we've been in sixth place for the majority of the season. Slow rise, but the football's getting better. We've got better players. We've won a trophy. It's the League Cup, but it's still a trophy to get out of Wembley. Um, it's a shame about the FA Cup, but we're still in the Europa League. And looking at the draw, we've got a chance to win that as well. So I think there's a realisation amongst the fans that we are back on the kind of we're going up again rather than on our way down. Um, and that means people are much more accepting of the odd draw or the odd disappointing performance. Under Van Gaal, there was that kind of constant frustration of this is just another sign that United is slipping and slipping and falling behind. So I think that's why the atmosphere has got much better at Old Trafford. Although, obviously, Old Trafford it could still improve by quite some... Dead since 2010, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, th- I think one of the key points is the fact that we said... It's frustrating that we've had so many shots and not scored goals, but at the same time, I'd rather come away from a nil-nil draw having been the clear deserved winner well, what am I being stopped by an excellent goalkeeper performances than coming away from a nil-nil draw and thinking, yeah, yeah. We, we haven't tried. Well, do you remember in the, I think it was the FA Cup third round last year, and I think Memphis had a shot against Sheffield United in kind of the 80th minute or something, and there was yeah. this wild kind of, sarcastic cheer from the fans because someone had actually finally had it. I mean, it was a shot off target. Someone had finally had a shot on goal. You would never get that this season. I mean, how many shots did we have against Burnley without scoring? 37 shots yeah. without a goal. So, I mean, the style of football is so much better. It's so much more exciting that people are more accepting of the results not going our way. And as soon as it clicks, someone is in for a hiding. Yeah, we have, we have been saying that for a few months now, but... I mean, it'll get there. Whether it comes this season or next season, it it will be fun when it does come. Um, right, the players overall, player of the season so far, for me is Tony V, Antonio Valencia. I don't want to steal the answer, but I go Valencia as well. It's been, I mean, the the most clear example of why Valencia has been such an important player is when he's not playing, and you have Darmian at right back. He's such a downgrade on Valencia. That attacking impetus that Valencia supplied, and he's pretty good defensively as well. He used to be kind of a great attacking force down the wing and then leave us crucially exposed. Yeah, I remember uh, FA Cup quarter-final against Arsenal. We we travelled up from London on, what was it, a Monday night? 
yeah, not not a good journey back that one. Um, particularly venting my frustrations on the coach bat at Antonio Valencia for being horrendously out of position. Uh, I think it was well, for their second goal. Horrendous back pass. Yeah, yeah, he's he's come a long way since then. Um, but yeah, definitely most consistent player. That that I think if you had to trust one player in this United team, it'd be Valencia at the moment. And um, if he's not the first name on the team sheet, then he should be behind David De Gea at the moment. Um, and also, just give a shout out to um, I think Herrera has been good this season, despite the fact he occasionally gets sent off by accident. <laughs> um, I think both his red cards this season have been a bit. Well, he he slipped, yeah, slipped he, against Burnley, didn't he? he slipped against Burnley in the second yellow, and then a weird second yellow against Chelsea. Chelsea. Um, also, Juan Mas is always good when you call him, and obviously Mkhitaryan's been fantastic since he came back into the team. So those would be my other contenders. But yeah, I think Valencia is definitely the most consistent player this season. Right, Marcus Rashford. Um, we've watched him against uh, Lithuania for England. Um, well, half an hour of him absolutely tearing a Lithuania defence apart. He tweeted today a picture of him nutmegging one of the Lithuania defence, which I, I think he enjoyed. But that, I think that was just a demonstration of his game-changing ability. So we haven't always seen this season, but... I've seen a lot of people on Twitter arguing against saying his development hasn't been good this season. I, I would say the complete opposite. Um, he's been playing with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, one of the finest strikers of the last decade. Um, he's learning off him. He's continued to learn off Wayne Rooney, who he obviously has a, a very good relationship with. Um, he's played quite a lot. for. I mean, relatively compared to last season where he was playing every game, not that much, but relatively compared to other strikers at this age in Europe than a considerable amount. And he's played on the left wing, which he said has helped him. And is I think it's very clearly helped him. He said he knows he knows what the forwards want and he knows what he wants. And that'll help him when he was playing up front as well. Yeah. yeah. I think what you can say is he's done a lot of growing up. If you look at those pictures of him against Arsenal and Midtjylland um from last season, he's this really kind of he's pretty thin. You can see him getting pushed off the ball quite a lot. He's definitely kind of matured both physically but then also at mentally as well um so he's playing out of position on the wing although i still think he looks pretty good on the wing he's obviously attacking the pace he can use down the down the touchline um but yeah because he knows what the forwards want he'll then know to get into better positions when he's actually playing up front i would say i don't think it's been great development i think it's been good i think it could have been better um i think he could have had a few more games up front there was a period when ibrimovic wasn't scoring wasn't playing very well i think he went nine games and he scored one goal and there was, I mean, that was a perfect opportunity to give Rashford a chance. He's played in the FA Cup quite a lot up front. And I think, he, I can't remember how many goals he scored. He scored against Blackburn and got two against Wigan. Yeah. So, I mean, it obviously works when he plays up front. Do you think he's going to be a striker full-time in his career or will he become more of a winger? Yeah, long, t- long term, I think he's definitely a striker. There, I mean, we've, on previous episodes, had some debate about him and Martial and where their future lies. And we've both said... Uh, me and Jack that Martial has a future on the left wing um, simply because it's difficult to get into France's side up front and it's difficult to get into Man United's side up front um, and he's incredibly effective from the left wing and I think looking at from purely United perspective the the difference between left wing and striker but for Rashford is greater loss to put him on the left wing than the difference between Martial left wing and Martial strikers. So I'd agree with that. Although when Martial arrived, of course, he played up front for most of his first few games. Yeah, and he, and he, he did like a brilliant brilliantly. I, I mean, it's not to say that he's going to play left wing every game. It's just that 
I think we will see him continue to to switch between the two. Whereas I think Rashford, in two or three years, will very rarely be played on the left wing. Be an out-and-out striker. The question is, can he provide that kind of 25-goal season that Ibrahimovic is providing at the minute? Well, I mean, I mean, if you just if you look at this season, his hold-up play has got better. His um, his ability to link with other players, Lingard especially against Middlesbrough, has definitely improved. I mean, his finishing still leaves a little bit to be desired. I I don't think his finishing's got any worse. I think it's purely a lack of confidence because I mean, it's not it's not even a lack of confidence. I mean, it, it, people mentioning the Courtois save and the Valdez save in recent weeks where he's finally been played up front. Uh, Courtois, Gary Cahill's done brilliantly. To, I mean, not done brilliantly, but he's been clever to stay with Rashford, um, despite him being seemingly being a clear goal scoring opportunity, a, a, a situation where many defenders would just stop running. Rashford and created that. Let the goalkeeper criticise Rashford in that situation. Yeah, but it means Cahill. So you've got Courtois standing blocking most of the goal, and Cahill stopping Rashford from cutting inside on his right and then shooting into the far corner. So that's and you've got a good save from Courtois. So that's. That's the first example, and then Valdez um, makes a brilliant save. So I think it's it's only a matter of confidence, but at the same time, those two finishes are being used a lot, and they're not that bad. Um, right, we got to move on. Luke Shaw, confusing situation. Should be playing more, but I mean, we 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 don't have um, cameras in the Man United training ground. Yeah, it's more sad than confusing, to be honest. He was such a good player before he got himself injured. You'd almost say he was the best, if not his best player for the start of that season. Yeah. You, you have to think there's some kind of off the field, um, situation there. Not necessarily in terms of he's not giving 100% effort, but maybe perhaps that he's just not performing in training. He's not eating well. Um, because there's nothing that warrants Damian or Blin starting at left back ahead of him in terms of pure talent. And I would say as well that this is one criticism of Mourinho is that when he casts a player out into the cold, it's very hard for them to get back in. So I think Shaw played a game against Bournemouth, which was a one kind of audition, and then immediately it's kind of, no, you didn't do well enough in that, you're back out again. Um, and you need to give players more than that, especially if they haven't played all season. So I think it would be a crying shame if Shaw left United having not fulfilled his potential, because he had, I mean, he was a proper left-back, proper United left-back in those first few games of Van Gaal's second season. So it would be a real shame if he left without playing regularly for United. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you can say that he lacks some things defensively, but I mean, Patrice Evra was one of the worst defenders in the league. Um, Bit harsh. <laughs> I mean, in, in his latter four years, maybe, was probably the worst defensive left-back in the Premier League and still maintained a, a brilliant status. Um, I, I mean, it's it's strange for sure because he's come back from a broken leg. It's 18 months since he suffered a double leg fracture. What was it tibia and fibia or whatever it's called? It takes a. I mean, we saw him. He he did get that chance against. Um, I think it was Bournemouth, and we saw him flying into a challenge. And I mean, that's a positive sign. Um, and Mourinho has said that he sure can be the best left back in the world, can be the best left back at United, and I would agree. Um, I think it's only flip side of that is it seems that the more Mourinho dislikes a player, the more he talks him up in the press, <laughs> and the more Mourinho likes a player, the more he talks him down in the press. Yeah. So I often get suspicious when he comes out and praises someone because think, oh no, he's going to be sold in the next couple of years. Yeah, but he's, he's giving him verbal support as is Gareth. I think Gareth Southgate will help Shaw as much as possible, calling up for the England squad despite not playing. He's still, he'll be 22 next season. I mean, he's had 15 appearances this season. It's not enough, but 
I mean, next season will be properly back from a leg break. And I, I was looking at all the stats um, as I as I do in my in my boring life. And in terms of stuff like key passes and and like successful dribbles and attacking things like that, more shots per game. The only offensive stat that's worse than the other previous seasons is that he's had more unsuccessful touches per game. Um, and defensively not doing that badly conceded less fouls been dribbled past less times um you have to remember, you have to remember that when patrice ever came to united he had an absolute shocker the yeah. first i mean he came in january that first season or half a season of premier league football he didn't know what hit him i think he made his debut in the or one of his first few games was in the manchester derby yeah him and Vidic. and i don't know if he came off at half time or if he kind of got moved around at half time but i mean he had a shocker and people thought he would never make it at united and he became one of our best left backs in recent years so there is still time for sure. The question is, do players under Mourinho or just in the modern era get the same kind of time they would have under Fergie? And the answer is probably no. So he does need to kind of clinch the next opportunity that he has with both hands. Otherwise, it could be a kind of sad exit. Um, we'll move on to Martial in a second. Um, but also, I remember Raphael being taken off at 30 minutes by Fergie against... Could have been Reading. I can't. I can't quite remember who it was, but thirty minutes he came off, and there was this big storm around it, and he became, he was named in the PFA Premier League Team of the Year. I think the the next season. So um, I miss Raphael. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all miss Raphael. Um, anyway, Martial, uh, not not quite second season syndrome, but not the same seventeen goal man we saw last season. Confidence out of position, off pitch matters. Um, I mean, we don't know enough to say it definitely is off pitch matters. Um, he didn't have the best of times at the Euros with France. I think he only played one half against Romania and he was subbed at half time. Um, so that would have knocked his confidence a little. And then when he came back to United, I think the first few games of the season, he missed a few clear chances. He was definitely in the starting lineup at the start of the season. He missed a few clear chances. And when you're that young and you've had that kind of impact in the Premier League, people are going to be expecting massive things. Um, he was tipped to be a kind of future Ballon d'Or winner. He was going to be United's kind of next superstar. I mean, he kept him in, what, he's got 17 goals first season. So, I mean, that's an incredible impact, and it's really hard to follow that up. The second thing I would say is he's no longer the kind of superstar at United. He was the biggest signing that transfer window, and he was kind of the one ray of sunshine amidst all the gloom of Van Gaal's style of football. When Martial got the ball, he'd pick it up, there'd be something, something exciting would happen. Now you've got Ibrahimovic, you've got Pogba. Immediately people love them. You've got Mkhitaryan doing scorpion kicks and pulling out all these kind of ridiculous tricks. Um, and he's no longer the main man, so he, I think he feels a lot of pressure to do something to shine. And that kind of pressure is making him actually play worse than he did last season. If he, he needs a bit of confidence, he needs a few games, uh, he needs a run of games in the side. And I think he'll get back to what he was before. Talent's all there. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about pressure, self-pressure, not pressure from other people, then, I mean, Paul Pogba could talk to him about that because they're both suffering from the same thing, as we'll, we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, it seems like it's just confidence to me and, and not being the main man is something that's difficult. And I mean, he, his, his place in the team was never under threat last season because everyone else was so dreadful, um, particularly our strikers, that Martial had, had no threat until Rashford arrived on the scene in, in mid-February. Um, last point on youth players. Axel Twanzebe, Timothy Fossumenza. I mean, it's just a small point and overall Mourinho has been brilliant, but use of youngsters has been particularly worrying for for me for the next generation to come through at United I mean I I, I honestly think if Rashford wasn't an England international at the start of the season I 
I genuinely wonder whether he'd be played under Mourinho at all. Yeah, yeah I think, I, and you will see, I'm, I have no doubt that you'll see Mourinho point to Rashford as an example of the fact that he's used you in the team, um, which he can take absolutely no credit for because that was entirely Van Gaal's kind of... I mean, Van Gaal deliberately didn't sign too many players so that he could bring in you. You can laugh at it all you want, but that has been his strategy at hundreds of clubs, well, not hundreds of clubs, at all the clubs throughout his career. But, Mourinho's the opposite. He's got that kind of small squad that he trusts and it's very hard to break into that. Um, group. So I think, I mean, there have been times when you've looked at the team sheet and you've seen Young at right back, Darmian at right back, and you've just kind of wondered what could, what have they done that Fossumensa couldn't have provided there? Uh, could Tuanzebe not have played against Wigan at home or against Reading? Well, the thing is, Tuanzebe's made his debut, so did Joel Pereira. They both came over 20 minutes in a, we were, I think we were 3 0 up at the time, maybe 4 against Reading in the Cup at home. I mean, it's it's a token debut. I mean, yeah, it means nothing. They use, I mean, Gary, I mean, Class of 92 is quite a boring example to use, but they always talk about how they were just thrown into the deep end. And I think they got they got absolutely whipped 4-1 or something. And well, that's that's, that's exactly that. the point. There's, there's trusting youth and there's kind of trying youth. And Mourinho has no problem trying youth. Uh, they come on, we're already up, they don't have a job to do. But there's trusting youth is an entirely different thing. And that's the one thing you can really say that Van Gaal did. At United, I mean, what do you play? Fossu Menza in the FA Cup semi-final. Rashford started all the big. Well, if you look at, at the Arsenal game, we had Guillermo Varela, Fossu Menza. I think Joe Riley played Joe a part Riley in that game. Yeah, Riley made his debut against Mid Island, and you had Rashford starting up front. So he trusted them in the big games. Tyler Blackett, Paddy McNair, even in the first games. season. I think we we went to the Emirates and played a back three of Smalling, yeah, McNair, and Blackett. <laughs> that's horrendous to look back on because that's a low point in my life and United's history. But I mean, we won the game and. Imagine the experience it gives to those players. So that's the one thing you would pick Mourinho up on is that the use of youth could definitely improve. Well, it, it needs to. But that will come with time. It will come with time, I think. Yeah. I think as the performances get better, it'll develop this smaller core group of players. People like Ashley Young, um, a couple, I think Chris Smalling might go. These people that we don't particularly need and hopefully that will open up some opportunities for the younger players. Right, Paul Pogba. Um, one word. That's tricky. I don't want to steal your word. <laughs> I'll go. Um, underrated. Yeah, I mean, a lot. I think a lot of people listening to this will think that the right one word is underwhelming. Um, but I would. Well, I it's surely exactly the opposite. I think. I don't know if he's underrated, but I do think he's been put down far more than he deserves to be this season. Um, there's definitely a lot more to come, but I think if you actually watch United week in week out, particularly between kind of October and January, February, Paul Popper is the driving force behind that run. I think a key example of how ridiculous some of the public criticism, I mean, there's been a lot, but that Chelsea game, people came out saying, oh, if you cost 89 million, you should be winning that game for your team, right? If you're man-marking with Pogba and Fellaini against Chelsea and you've got 10 men for an hour, I mean, what do you expect Pogba to do? We haven't got any of the ball. He's man-marking various players, doing the job of two midfielders because Ander Herrera's been sent off, and people are expecting him to score from 40 yards. Like, there's just, there's no logic to the criticism at a significant amount of the time. I don't think people will be happy until Pogba's scoring 30-yard volleys and hitting free kicks in every other game. There's just no way they are going to be. And to be honest, who cares? Um, he does the job for us. Um, of course he can get better. And he is an expensive player, but in the context of things, he was probably worth it because of what we, pay, we paid for him. Um, I don't have any regrets that we like to spend that money on him. So he's going to get better. And he's 23 years old. He's, a, he's basically a kid. 
He's going to improve with age. He's still getting used to coming back to the Premier League after playing in Italy, which is slower, despite all the kind of stereotypes. It's true that Italian football is slower in the Italian league. Um, so he'll get better, but let's not just, let's not kind of reduce what he's done this season. I think he's had a decent season. I think he's played well. Um, I, I would go as far to say he's been one of our best players. I mean, he's been our most productive player. You could say he hasn't got that many assists. He's made more chances than anyone else in our well, side. Well, did you see that video that was doing the rounds yeah. at Vega? Yeah. All the chances he created. Some beautiful lobbed yeah. passes to Zlatan, Rashford. Pretty sure Rudy. it took him a month or two to get his first assist, yeah. I think. But in that month or two, there was about, I mean, could have been 10, as many as 10 or 12 goals that should have gone in from chances he created. Yeah. So, you know, when Griezmann arrives next summer, that'll be... That'll be sorted. Yeah. All right, Zlatan, one word. Impressive. Swagger. Okay, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I'm just impressed that he's actually lived up to his reputation. I, I think he's done more than live up. People are expecting him to get 10 or 15 as he's got. Yeah, I'll admit I was one of those people. Yeah, as was I. I mean, I, I remember saying on this podcast, um, I don't not want Zlatan, but I don't desperately want Zlatan either. Um well, when you go through an experience like waking up to the news, you've just signed Falcao, <laughs> and then you have to live through a season where he scores four goals, most of which were tapping. It's, it's a scarring experience for any football fan. So when Zlatan signed, I was preparing myself for the worst. But I mean, what can you say? I mean, uh, the thing, he's, he's, if this team was brilliant, I don't think I'd want him in it because he, it's too focused around him. But this team isn't ready to be a team yet and they need... He's the perfect transitional transition player, player, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He, he's the player that... Exactly. And he could have... Genuinely, he could have 50 goals this season. <laughs> I, I think he's probably missed more... He could have had at least 36 against Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think he's on 26 or 27. Maybe a few less. And but United, United, I mean, what we've had Van Persie and a couple of Rooney seasons in the past, what? Since Ronaldo left, of players that have actually reached that kind of talent. And you're forgetting Berbatov, as everyone always does. Golden boot winner. Quite a lot, but Fergie's flop, Dimitar Berbatov, golden boot winner, as yeah. Data Mayor once put it. Um, right, Mkhitaryan, one word. Magical. Exciting, magical's better, fair play. Um, didn't get going at the start, proved himself, as we hope, sure will do, and he now is... gives you that so feeling nice that every time he picks up the ball, you're just excited. And of course, sometimes it's frustrating, because he'll make the wrong decision, uh, make the wrong ball. Um, but, I mean, what a player. I mean, how talented is he? So he's he's really the one attacking player ahead of Zlatan that I get most excited by when he picks up the ball. I, I remember when when we got Simon Peach on here, um, the Press Association's chief football writer. He I, we were talking about Mkhitaryan. And he asked me why why does he excite you, and it's it's surprisingly hard to define why. But it's I said because he fl- he just floats across the pitch like it's ridiculously easy. He does things which you're not expecting. I think that might be the key point. The reason it excites me, someone like an, an amazing winger, he'll pick up the ball, you'll be excited, but you'll know he's going to bomb past the defender, get a beautiful ball in or take a shot or something. The thing that excites me about Mkhitaryan is he picks up the ball and I have no idea what he's going to do next. He could uh, flick it somewhere, he could play a beautiful ball out wide, he goes around someone. And I think that's what's exciting. It's just that that element of the unexpected is kind of Incredibly exciting in a football player. Right, that's... Oh no, we've still got Eric Bai. Um, one word on Eric Bai. Developing. Um, I said fun. I mean fun as well. 
Uh, right, let's think about the celebra celebration against Hull. The 1 0 Rashford, he yeah, jumps, slides, and jumps on top of everyone. Uh, Community Shield, he fell over the board as they were celebrating and then jumped into, started <laughs> sliding on the floor with the trophy. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's someone fun to have around the squad, and I've got other options composure, risk, and surprising. I pick you up on composure. Well, he was very composed at the start of the season. There were a few dodgy games recently, but I think that's just getting back into the right, Not, not like composure, questions. relaxed. Yeah, I'll give you. Okay, I'll give you relaxed. Or and quick. We can have um, fun, relaxed, developing. <laughs> right. Uh, final point on Mourinho as we review him in uh, what is it now? Late March um, in his first United season. Um, this came from James Ducker back in January, uh, a couple of months ago. But the point is very similar. By January of the previous five seasons, United had lost a total of, uh, or a total average of 1,099 days to injury, and under Mourinho it was 461 in January. So that's just a, a little point of how else he's improving the size. Starting this week's youth roundup with some sad news, actually. Monday saw the funeral of former Man United scout Joe Armstrong. He'd been involved with the club for many decades, but retired in 2016 and passed away in the last couple of weeks. His dad, Joe Armstrong Sr., was the scout who found many of the Busby babes. In total, the two Joe Armstrongs, Jr. and Sr., gave more than 70 years of service to Manchester United, and we, of course, send our best wishes to his family and friends. In news news this week, though, striker James Wilson has spoken about his comeback after surgery on an anterior cruciate ligament injury he picked up in training on loan at Derby County. He returned to United a few months ago for the operation and says his recovery is going well after great work from the medical staff at the club. He says he knows he won't play this season so can relax, work in the gym and try to be in perfect condition for next season, potentially his last chance to make it at United, though it's likely he'll be loaned out again or perhaps even sold. In youth transfer news, United have signed 15-year-old American midfielder Will Vint, son of Peter Vint, the former US Olympic coach and now academy director at Everton. United had scouts at a number of youth international games this week, including France against Germany, under-18s and a 1-1 draw, which also had scouts from PSG, Chelsea and Juventus in attendance. A player we know United are scouting is Sporting Lisbon B centre-back, Mary Dimiral, a former Fenerbahce player now on loan at Sporting from Alcanense. United faced competition from Besiktas for his signature, Besiktas becoming well known for buying talented Turkish players young and sending them on for big fees as Porto do in Portugal and they've done this recently to the Premier League so Demiral may see his chances of development as better there. He's currently playing for Turkey's under-17 side as well as Sporting Lisbon B as a centre-back. Uh, more transfer news. United have beaten City and Juventus to the signing of Aliou Traore, reportedly. The 16-year-old, powerful box-to-box -box midfielder can also play as stand-in centre-back and is reported as signed for the club after he scored as a trialist back in February for the under-17s in a 7-0 win against Burnley. We told you at the time we'd reveal his name when we could, so there you go. Um, there was competition from City and Juventus. He left PSG um, in the summer, I believe, and was playing at Sarcelles. A smaller French side, um, perhaps less PSG because they found out he was talking to clubs like United, City and Juventus. Um, he was tipped for great things while he was at PSG, in fact, um, and plays for France under-16. If I remember correctly, he is the France under-16 captain. More transfer news, actually. United target Dyshawn Redan, a 16-year-old forward, is set to leave Ajax this summer with United, City, Chelsea and Red Bull Leipzig all interested, plus others in what could be... Um, a race for Redan come the summer who will sign on a free for 
probably one of those clubs. And the United under-17 side lost 3-2 to Barnsley in a friendly with goals from Dolan and Milan Bars. There's been no loan action this week with it being the international break, but plenty of internationals to talk about. Leo Connor caps in the Republic of Ireland under-17 side to under-17 Euro qualification with a number of wins in their under-17 Euro qualifying group, while Nishan Burkhart played in bits for Switzerland's under-17 side, featuring against Scotland as a substitute. Kieran O'Hara made his debut for the Republic of Ireland's under-21 side against Kosovo, which he said he was delighted about and proud to have featured for Ireland's under-21s. Uh, and he also said in that interview that he's pleased to be learning off David De Gea, um, having travelled with the first-team squad to a number of Europa League games, including Rostov. Another United young goalkeeper, Dean Henderson, as well as centre-back, under-23s captain Axel Twanzebe, played a key role as England's under-20s. Won the Four Nations tournament in France, playing the hosts, Portugal and Senegal. They both started two games, if I remember correctly, while Twanzebe came on as a sub for the final game, the winning game. George Tanner, meanwhile, scored for England's under-18s in a 4-0 friendly win against Qatar moments after coming on as a substitute. In senior international use, though, a lot to talk about. Marcus Rashford was a substitute for England against Lithuania and radically changed the game, as uh, I'm sure you saw, um, tearing apart their defence. I'm sure you've seen his nutmeg on one of the poor Lithuania defenders that he himself tweeted. Uh, Luke Shaw and Jesse Lingard both came on for the three lines against Germany as Smalling started. While both Phil Jones and Chris Morning classically both managed to injure themselves with England, the latter injuring the four men in training as only Smalling and Jones could do. Another centre-back, thankfully not injured, is Eric Bailly, who played 90 minutes twice for the Ivory Coast, most recently in a 1-1 draw against Senegal, I believe, in a friendly, which was called off just before full-time due to crowd trouble, I think. Um, Armenia captain, Henrik Mkhitaryan. He did indeed captain Armenia to a 2-0 win against Kazakhstan as he scored his 20th goal for his country. Marwan Fellaini picked up an injury with Belgium and misses their second game of the international break but played 66 minutes in a 1-1 draw with Greece. Not sure whether he'll be back in contention for United come the weekend. Daley Blind played for the Netherlands, surpassing his dad's total of caps for his country. His dad was then later sacked as manager as they lost 2-0, uh, taking the shines off things somewhat. David Gea in action for Spain, Sergio Romero and Marcus Rojo for Argentina and Antonio Valencia for Ecuador to round things up on our youth and international roundup for this week. Right, Saturday 3pm. Um, we're to be playing Saturday 3pm for once, not on TV. West Brom, we, we were talking before, we, we have no idea about West Brom but they I mean the stereotype is that Tony Pulis has solid sides and as I always say there are reasons for stereotypes and they gave Arsenal a lot of trouble yeah they've and it'll be nice to see Darren Fletcher back the magical Darren Fletcher and Johnny Evans and the less magical Johnny Evans he's proving us wrong I, I very much enjoyed him on the like bus parade um, um, prediction um I think it'd be tricky. I think it'll take a while for us to settle down. I'm going to go West Brom score first, but United to win 3-1. Say 2-1. Bit bit nervy with injuries after the international Have break. we got no. any midfielders? Uh, uh, I don't think so, no. And Pogba's still injured. Herrera's gone. Pogba's gone. Marouane Fellaini may be injured. Picked up a knock with Belgium this week. Um, I think I might have been too optimistic. I think if you take my predictions over the last few years for United games, we'd have won nearly every game we've ever played. I, d- so. I saw... Um, Someone tweeted the other day, Mark Lawrence's predictions would have Liverpool top of the table having won every single game this season. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> what can you say about that, man? Objective analysis from Mark Lawrence. melting yeah. Mark. 
Um, I think he's got almost all of them wrong. Anyway, that's all we have time for on, uh, what is it, Series 2, Episode 30 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, joined by Will Robinson, the first all-Robinson Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at Will Robinson 97 but I apologise if I don't tweet that much. You, you may find his tweet about American politics more than Man United. But you can find us on Twitter at, at UTD Weekly Pod, that's P-O-D. Uh, you can find our website, ManchesterUnitedWeeklyPodcast.com. You can follow me at, at Harry Robinson 64 And if you've missed Jack's opinions this week, you can follow him at, at UTD Tate. That's T-A-I-T. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.